Hey, it's Chris Jones with The Jones Zone, and this episode of the podcast is brought to you by The Jones Zone at Keller Williams Realty. That's right. We sponsor our own podcast. So if you know of anybody looking to buy, sell, rent, or invest in residential real estate in the Charlotte, Rock Hill, Fort Mill area, have them connect with us on their favorite platform. Enjoy the show. It's Chris and Brian Jones, your real estate advocates, community connectors, talking Charlotte and York County area real estate, and interviewing business owners, entrepreneurs, and community leaders. Welcome to the Jones Zone Podcast. All right, you going to count me down? I got you, brother. All right, count me down. From five or three? Uh, last, the last few times we've done this, we've... let's go five. Okay. I'll go five. All right, five, four. Three, Three and two. Chris, and if you're going to do five, let me finish. All right. Five, four, three, because there's nothing worse than I hate when people interrupt me. Yeah. You know? Where was I at? Uh, Just start from five again. Start from five. Five, four, three, two. Welcome to the Jones Zone podcast. What's up, everybody? What's going on, Brian? Lovely day, man. You had a good meeting this morning? Great meeting. Yep. Yep. Do you want to tell me about it, or is it confidential? Eh, it's confidential. It's, it's the CEOs of certain groups. I'll know when I need to It's know. only C-level executives. So. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Chris. All right. Well, let's get in it today. Bill Milam of the Revere Veteran Talent and Warriors in Life Science. Revere Veteran Talent is a company that enhances career opportunities for veterans and the transitioning military community. They advocate for veterans and educate employers to the value of hiring veterans. Um, Warriors in Life Science is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to enhance, I'm sorry, advance professional opportunities for qualified transitioning military service members and veterans within the pharmaceutical, biotech, medical device, and diagnostic industries. Phil Milam, welcome to the Jones Zone. Way to go. Good to be here, guys. <laughs> yeah, great, great to have you. Thanks to, yeah, it's great to have you. Thanks for coming. So um, I gave a quick brief introduction about who you are and what you do, but if you don't mind, share a little bit of your personal story, some of your professional background, and then how you got started with all these organizations that you're working with. Hey guys, thanks so much for having me. First of all, and thanks for what you're doing with the podcast and the the, the benefit to the community because I think it's I think it's awesome. But look, let me first first and foremost say uh, I'm a I'm a prior military officer. My father's a retired bird colonel. My father-in-law, my brother-in-law served. My son's an orthopedic surgeon at Madigan Army Hospital right now. So uh, believe me, I'm going to give a disclaimer. I'm biased. <laughs> I'm very biased. So, uh, but no, I, I pretty much, uh, I'm, I'm, I got a unique past. I actually, as a prior military officer, I got off active duty, went through reserves for a while. I actually was a corporate leader within the pharmaceutical industry for many, many years. And during that time, I really was frustrated with you know, how, and I'm not, I hate using the word lip service, but I think organizations want to provide opportunities for veterans for whatever reasons, but it does seem to be that there's they, they create their own obstacles and challenges for the veterans to uh, to actually qualify for some of these jobs. So uh, so literally, I after about 30 years in the biotech pharmaceutical industry, I decided to uh, focus my time and my efforts on uh, on really trying to help companies put together sustainable veteran strategies and and connect them with with really strong veteran veteran candidates. Yeah. So what did you do before you got into um, doing this? 
Well, I mean, I, my jobs were, were many. I mean, I, I started as a pharmaceutical sales rep back in 1987, back when uh, company cars actually had, were pulled by horses. <laughs> but uh, but uh, anyway, we, we uh, I worked my way up through, I worked for three major pharmaceutical companies, most recently a company out of New Jersey, Novartis Pharmaceuticals. And during the time that I was with Novartis, they gave me a unique opportunity. Uh, I was asked to be the corporate veteran champion for very large pharmaceutical company which allowed me to go around to corporate leaders and really educate them on the value of hiring veterans number one and then help them identify opportunities to hire veterans where could they hire veterans that are not simply uh, law enforcement security logistics and supply we, we we have been successful in putting veterans into a number of roles in, including pharmaceutical sales which is not traditionally available to veterans why, why are they kind of pigeonholed into those areas? Is that just because they're so skilled at tactical and, you know, using their weapons and stuff like that? I mean, well, is that kind of just a stereotype? Or? I think stereotypes have a lot to do with it because they say, look, we don't have a place for somebody to carry an M16 in our, uh, you know, in our company. So yeah. they, they see it that way, number one. And uh, I do believe that uh, there's a major disconnect. Keep in mind, only 1% of our population in the United States serves, currently serves, and then less than 10% actually have served. Now as you get older, as you as individuals in my, my age group, the 50s, uh, it's a higher percentage that have served than maybe you, Brian, in, in your age group. So it, it's, an, it's being unfamiliar, and when you start sitting down talking to a veteran, keep in mind the military has its own verbiage, its own language, and people who have not served have a difficult time, unfortunately, assessing that talent or assessing those skills and performance. But they also have a very difficult time translating those skills into a civilian role, which is which is a challenge for a lot of a lot of hiring managers. And I think that in many cases they just don't know how to quantify. They don't understand what active duty actually does to develop the uh, the characteristics, the traits, and the skills, and and they just have a very difficult time translating into a civilian job. What are some things that you tell hiring managers and HR staff that um, are benefits to hiring uh, a veteran? I tell you, it it's a it first and foremost hiring veterans is a it it can be complicated. Uh, it doesn't have to be. It can't. It it's very competitive. I've been to job fairs where J.P. Morgan and Amazon have brought in twenty recruiters with money in hand, and when you're you know, a medium-sized company or you don't have the resourcing. Uh, it's very difficult to compete against that. Uh, now locally, Wells Fargo, phenomenal uh, veteran employer. Uh, Duke Energy, phenomenal veteran employer. So, you know, I would say make sure you're using the resources, you're reaching out to others that have been successful in doing it. It's not it's not that difficult, but it do, it's not an activity, it's not an event, it's a process, it's a culture change. It starts with number one, identifying and retaining your existing veteran employees, leveraging your existing veteran employees to help you interpret or connect or get referrals. It requires you to make sure your job descriptions don't are, are more focused on the true skills and competencies that, that are required by the job and not necessarily uh, exclude veterans from possibly interviewing for a role. 
And then really educating your hiring managers. Your hiring managers have to understand and be able to willing to give it a shot, a shot to a veteran. Because look, if a hiring manager is sitting there with you, Chris, who has experience in real estate versus a veteran who may not have experience in real estate, it's going to be very difficult. They're going to look at your resume, see the experience, but they may not be willing to look beyond the hard experience to the competencies you bring to the job that might make the veteran a better employee in the long run. Yeah. So it's more of uh, making that connection and the uh, the parallels. Like, you know, it's not that he would be leading a troop of men into a, a war field, but it would be that he's utilizing amazing communication skills, right? Stuff exactly. like that. Exactly. It's breaking it down into those type pieces. And, 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 it, and the hiring manager or the recruiting person that's actually speaking to the veteran just needs to be honest. Look, I've never been in the military. Talk to me in layman's terms. And I think the veteran, I think that creates not only learning for the hiring manager and the, and the corporate talent folks, but also for the veteran, and they can come together. And there's some other examples that we've used, for example, creating a proactive approach in the military community. Uh, don't wait till a job is open to start looking for a veteran. You need to already be over at Fort Bragg talking to their troop, uh, their, their, their transition assistance folks. You need to be making presentations to their transitioning veterans or transitioning military service members and, may, and giving them some awareness that you are a true uh, veteran-friendly organization. And that gives you the opportunity to learn a little bit more about the veteran community as well as them to learn more about you. And then finally, mentors within your organization. Use your current employees. It doesn't have, it can be patriots within your group as, as Brian was talking about before the podcast. Or it could be veterans to actually mentor these individuals as they're going through their final days of military service so that that dialogue has already started and that understanding and connection has already begun so that person might have a better shot at the job once they get out. And to go back on that, I think you know implementing a strategy with LinkedIn is, is huge. Great point. Right. You can target, you can target transitioning veterans or if you're on active duty and you know you're getting out soon, why not get a head start? talking with other companies and building those relationships. So totally. Do veterans utilize LinkedIn as much as they should? What advice would you give to veterans, not necessarily the hiring managers, but to the actual veterans? You know, how do you get yourself out there? What do you need to be doing? You want to go first? Sure, I'll go. I'll, I'll handle that, Chris. Uh, so right now there's LinkedIn, which is really big. Um, if you're on LinkedIn, I, what I would do is follow some people, like my friend Bernard Edwards, Bernard is a veteran of the Air Force, and what he has done is started this company uh, called Vetted. So if you're if you're on active duty and you're transitioning to uh, the civilian world, follow somebody like that who brings value and tells you exactly what to do, and build those relationships with people on LinkedIn who have already done it, and just kind of take their advice and see what they say. There's, I mean, there's a lot of influential people on LinkedIn who are more than willing to give feedback and to mm-hmm. help others, you know, live their life of, the, of their dreams outside the military. Facebook groups are another um, platform that I'm, that I've recently, within the past two to three weeks, I have just networked and met some incredible people, not only veterans, like, like there's a veteran group called the Vetrepreneur Tribe with Andrew O'Brien. He was on our podcast a few episodes ago. What he is doing with his Facebook groups is He's bringing them all together, veterans. Now, this this happens to be veteran entrepreneurs, but there are Facebook groups for for transitioning veteran or transitioning military members. Uh, it, it's very 
field specific to whatever niche you're in. So getting involved with LinkedIn and Facebook groups with other like-minded people and networking and genuinely trying to bring value to the other party is what I would recommend if you're still in the, or if you're a veteran or if you're an active duty who's transitioning. Just know what your goals are and go to where your crowd is, where your audience, who you want to talk to. Go to where they are. And uh, that would be my advice. Cool. And I'll, the only things I'll add to it is, and I, I do believe that uh, they have to, the, the, the transitioning service member has to take it to themselves to reach out for help. And, and a lot of our veterans, a lot of our veterans and, and transitioning service members don't, don't like to reach out for help. They don't like to network because they don't, because it's not really, networking within the Army is, is, is not necessarily something that a lot of folks do because keep in mind as you're moving up you're, you're assigned to roles you don't have to actually you're, you're not networking to get another job in most cases unless you want to be a general's aide for example but they don't interview for jobs so shout out to Lawrence Wingate and, and employers need to know that that they're not going to be experienced in interviewing so interviewing etiquette is going to be a challenge although the veteran needs to get to, to be a mentee to someone who can help them and not only using the right terms but also using the, the right etiquette in the interview process. And then and then finally, they're not used to bragging. They're not used to saying, hey, I did this, I did that. So literally, they're going to have to be, be comfortable saying, hey, I'm pretty good at this and I and I did this and I got this award for it. So, so there's a lot of different, there's a mindset change that the veteran has to actually take into the commercial role or into that, that, job, that, uh, that, that job pursuit or job search. Yeah. What got you so passionate about this this new project that you're on, and why did you leave your corporate America job to pursue this? Well, I mean, there's a couple of things. Uh, I, I, there was a personal thing. My father passed away, and it gave me a little time of reflection about. Uh, and as I was going through my day uh, in my last days, and Novartis was very good to me, and I've enjoyed an awesome career. I've been very blessed in that regard, but I found that I was getting very excited about the opportunity to help veterans and the more I was able to help the one of the projects that we did for for Novartis was to we walked into a senior VP office and said look uh, I promise you I will challenge you if you give me six jobs to fill with transitioning military veterans military service members I will screen these individuals I'll find them I'll put them into these and there were six sales roles uh, I will mentor the, the hiring managers and we'll put them in the field and I will guarantee that they will outperform our existing staff, those that are experienced in pharmaceutical sales. And so he took me up on it. He, was, uh, he took, a, took a leap of faith, some risk, and in fact that's what happened. Uh, all of them are performing in the top half of the organization. They're doing extraordinarily well. We've got some that are award, winning, uh, award winners early in their career. And the stories that they tell guys. I, got, I hired a, a Black Hawk helicopter pilot out of who was a medevac pilot out of Fort Hood who literally said, uh, you know, I asked him that standard interview question you ask everybody, tell me about something you're most proud of. He said, out of, I don't remember how many, he said, 120 missions, nobody ever died in my helicopter. And then I interviewed another one that said, look, I, I, uh, I was in charge of a, a security detail in northern Afghanistan and uh, unfortunately uh, you know we were being bracketed we were being our in, enemy artillery was coming in and so I pulled my folks back to get them out of harm's way I then made the decision when to put them back in harm's way when I thought the the threat was gone unfortunately it wasn't and he ended up having 
uh, some soldiers dead and some soldiers and Purple Hearts. And, uh, you know, to hear how people deal with that is really maturing and it's really fulfilling to know what they've done for us that we can do a little bit for them. I mean, the bottom line is give them a job. Give them something that matters. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough, man. You know, when you think about veterans, it's like 120 Black Hawk missions. Like, that is amazing. Like, I don't even want to know what was involved with, with all that stuff, you know? I mean, the courage that uh, that people have is just it's something else, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that really lit a fire under you helping these guys, and it made you want to branch out and do your own thing? Yeah, yeah. And actually, they, just uh, to, to, to put in a plug, we've, it's still in the conceptual stage. It's moving to reality, and that is warriors in life science. And I know that a lot, there's not a lot around... Charlotte, uh, as far as biotech companies, but there's quite a few over in uh, and the other part of the state around Raleigh and Cary, Research Triangle Park, New Jersey, San Diego. There's uh, we're trying to bring together the best uh, leaders within the pharmaceutical, biotech, uh, diagnostic, and medical device to say, okay, let's quit putting up barriers. Let's tear down those barriers. Let's let's sit across the table from each other and figure this thing out. Second thing is we're trying to put an educational initiative into the veteran community because I guarantee you most veterans are not in, in transition or not considering biotech pharmaceutical jobs when they're coming out and they don't even know they're qualified but they are. Uh, finally we've got uh, we've got some certifications that they can do during the last 18 months of their of their uh, their active duty period to actually certify in life science both business and clinical perspectives and so kind of prepare themselves uh, if selling skills are required we've got we've got a, a VMI graduate who's who's a authored sales trainer and he's he's already offered up his sales training his uh, his his digital platform for us so he's I mean, just we're trying to put together a we're trying to create a pipeline and awareness for for these lucrative uh, healthcare jobs that would be available to veterans on the time uh, as they're coming out of active duty. Yeah, that's great because when I uh, when I separated from the Air Force, I never would have thought to apply for a six figure job. You just never would have, and I think that's what a lot of veterans kind of they don't realize that they are qualified like you mm-hmm. just said so i for for me if i would have when i would have got out of the air force if i would have been offered a $35,000 a year job i would have been all over it you know it's crazy to to see how we kind of just i'll say pigeonhole but mm-hmm. you know uh limiting self belief i guess you could say so what you're doing is very important well there's one thing that you just mentioned and that is when one veteran uh, one of the problems that we're facing right now is and we think it's a good thing is companies are saying we're going to hire 50 veterans Quotas, you know, quality mm-hmm. not quantity, uh, quantity not quality, and so unfortunately that creates a little. Uh, uh, it can set the veteran up to fail. So we need to make sure we're honest and transparent about what the role is. Hire the right veteran, not just a veteran, and then ultimately, and, and I'm for hiring any veteran, but we want to make sure that we create them a sustainable career path. And so, uh, in essence, when you come out of active duty, you you need a job. So you might take the first job that sounds good to you, it may not be the right fit, and it might lead to attrition. And there are some articles out, out there saying the first or second job, there's some high turnover for veterans until they find the right job. So we just need to make sure that we're aware of that when we're going through the process mm-hmm. so that we're not setting them up for failure. Yeah, totally. So finding the right job for a veteran. So obviously they have the ASVAB, right? in the military mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so how do during that transition do, do they go back and look at that or do they do a, a civilian version of that like when you get out I mean how do you find the right job as a veteran so I'll take I'll, I'll answer first if that's okay mm-hmm. sure so sure. when I got out 
so in, in the in the Air Force, my career field is called services. So what we did was, you know, food service. Um, we did lodging. We worked at the fitness centers. We ran those facilities. So when I got out, I was looking. I was like, all right. So I've been cooking for four years. I've been ordering inventory. What can I do on the outside? Inevitably, what what ended up happening happening was I was working at, at a restaurant, and um, it wasn't a good restaurant. It was like eight dollars an hour. I was going to college at the time. Uh, and I was just like, there's got to be an easier way to make eight bucks an hour. So I was like, I know. I'll drive pizzas at Domino's. I'll deliver pizzas. And then, it, long story short, it, it, it goes upon what your career field was, I think, and then how it applies to the civilian side. But there are resources that the military gives you before you separate you could also you know take resume writing classes and that's something I didn't take advantage of that I wish I would have uh, but yeah there's transition counselors that will that can coach you and guide you through the way to show you what kind of job on the outside you'd be suited for uh, the 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 um, the fitness center jobs that I did when I was in the Air Force helped me get the anytime fitness job which is a gym manager so mm -hmm. there's just certain things you that you do on the in the military that correlate, and there's some jobs that don't really correlate to the civilian world. So how do they make them correlate? I mean, do they like kind of like what we talked about earlier? You know, you just kind of you have to yeah. not manipulate. That's the wrong word. No, but it, you communicate in a different. You know, you, you put your those, strengths yeah. in layman's terms almost, right? So that's really terminology. the only way you can do it. Because unfortunately, um, if, if if when I was coming off active duty, I'm 11 Bravo. 11 Bravo is an infantry officer. Uh, literally, how does that apply unless yeah. I'm going into security or law enforcement? So, but uh, someone got me, gave me a break in pharmaceutical sales. But I can tell you that there are a lot of companies rely on uh, Monster.com has a um, uh, or Military.com, who is owned by Monster.com, actually has a uh, a skill translator, which you know, and, and a lot of companies have that on their website. And you can go in and again type the type certain keywords and it actually spits out the or it's whatever your your MOS your occupational specialty was in the military it will tell you what you're qualified to do but I but I I would challenge employers and veterans alike not to get too hung up in that really what do you want to do yeah. and the only way you can figure out what you want to do where you want to spend forty hours a week for the rest of your life. Is, is literally by connecting with companies and going to the trouble during the last few months of, of your military. And I'd, I'd say start 18 months out. Now keep in mind there's something called the Department of Defense uh, has the SkillBridge program. SkillBridge program is, is phenomenal. The Department of Defense will pay the employee for six months to go work at a company. And literally the company does not have to pay them. Now it has to be approved by the commander on the post and they still are going to be living around uh, Fort Bragg or Seymour Johnson, etc., Fort Jackson, but they will show up as an employee for you, and they get a chance to see your see what what being a you know, day in the life of a company employee for you would be. But the the uh, but the Department of Defense is paying them their salary. It's a pretty incredible I didn't program. Know about that. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty incredible amazing. program. And then there's you can do approve apprenticeships. Uh, I I hired a NATO officer that had been uh, he'd worked for a company in D.C. during that late phase of her career so that she knew what she wanted to do. So I'm telling you, they, they really need to, to dip their, their foot in the water a little bit through these mentor programs, these apprenticeships, or it's going to be just 
trying to say, okay, this is what I think I want to do. Let me go try it, and then I either do or I don't like it, and then it's going to be trial by fi- uh, trial by, you know, just uh, hit or miss. Story of my life, right there. <laughs> <laughs> hit or miss. Well, yeah, figuring out what you wanted to do. Yeah. For me, it just took so long. But I mean, me. I think that's part. That's 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 a part of life. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, you're when you're 23, your dreams and aspirations are different than when you're 30 or. You know, we're all kind of figuring it out as we go on and to a certain degree. And you're a real degree. estate mogul and, yeah. a, and a podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, Who would have ever thought that, you right. know, when you were in the military? Uh, so, Phil, let me ask you a question. Earlier, you said that you made a guarantee that veterans would outperform some of the staff mm-hmm. that was with that company. What are some of the skills and the abilities that veterans have that gave you such confidence in making a statement like that? Well, first and foremost, and that's an awesome question because I because there's very little out there. See, I believe that that hiring hiring veterans is a profitable thing to do. I think it I think it improves the profitability of an organization. Why do I believe that? Well, there's a company that uh, did a study. Uh, it's actually Corporate Executive Board, uh, CEB, worked with Prudential long time ago. It was like 19 uh, excuse me 2013, long time ago, and they did a study and they found out that. On average, veterans outperform non-veterans by 4% productivity, and, and the turnover is less. So when they came out, I mean, the, when they did the the, the numbers, uh, when it, the cost of turnover is usually a third to half of the employee's salary, you know, that kind of thing, they put hard numbers to it, and they found out that you know, it's over a million dollars for a, for a uh, thousand employee company that by hiring veterans, it actually improves their profitability. So there's hard numbers there, there's not a lot. But there's a lot of soft skills if you just understand or take the time to understand active duty. What is learned during that time? Number one, even when you went to basic training, they probably threw you into a supervisory role very quickly within mm-hmm. that. You were either a squad leader, platoon leader, company commander, whatever. So that so you have to start honing those leadership skills early on. Other skills are you got to be a fast learner because it's a fast moving, fast pace. Uh, you've got your tech savvy. I mean, now iPads are a normal part of what they do in the military. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the different MOSs use many of the same software packages that you're seeing that uh, they're using in corporate America. Uh, they have to operate under pressure. Uh, they're very much into teamwork. They work in diverse, highly diverse and inclusive environments. So they're already there as far as working with a diverse uh, diverse peers. Uh, it's Keep in mind, 75% of 18 to 24-year-olds in the United States today can't qualify for the military because of health reasons, obesity, you know, sight, uh, drug problems. So they're tested routinely. They're evaluated routinely. Uh, in the Army, it's an enlisted in, in evaluation report or an OER, an mm-hmm. officer evaluation report. They have to do fitness tests. There's just so many things that, that bring that person to a higher level of maturity and a much more driven individual, very competitive, early on in their life. So, and and hopefully companies are starting to tap or see this and be able to tap into it. And in fact, I do know a couple of big companies that are now creating shortcuts for those who have military. They actually give them credit for their military leadership in their leadership development and fast track them into some of the leadership roles within the corporate America. So, pretty good stuff. And you also said a phrase earlier that stuck with me when you used the term barriers in terms of companies hiring uh, veterans like because they have certain barriers. What are some of the barriers or stigmatisms or stereotypes, whatever you want to call them, that hiring agents have towards veterans that really they shouldn't have? 
Well, I mean, some some of them we've kind of thrown out during during our, our discussion today. But keep in mind, uh, there are stereotypes, uh, and it can go as little as we don't need somebody carrying a gun at our at our our company. We don't have a job description that that fits eleven Bravo infantry officer. Uh, stereotypes around. Uh, when I came into corporate America, I, I actually did not tell people I was a veteran because they would, at that time, it wasn't like, you know, right now we're high-fiving veterans in the airport and telling them thank you for their service. It's a very great time for, for veterans, and I hope it goes on forever and ever and ever, the patriotism around our veterans, and uh, really saying thank you for, their, for them and their spouses and what they've done. However, when I was uh, serving, in, it was Cold War America, and we were, it wasn't that far beyond Vietnam. So you know, I, people would quickly stereotype me as overly directive, overly, you know, I've got that command thing going. I'd be too intense. Like Major Dad, the TV show? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, so that would be uh, another point of, of stereotyping. And then finally, there's um, a number of organizations that have done surveys, and there's, there's some concern over P, uh, PTSD and some of the, and keep in mind, about a third of every veteran that's, that served post 9-11 has got some level of disability. So they're concerned about the disabilities, and not so much about accommodating for disabilities, but concerned about the disabilities. And then finally, that transition from a military cust, uh, culture into into a, a civilian culture. Can they make that transition? And I can assure you, they were civilians before they were in the military, so I, I, think, <laughs> I think they're okay. Yeah. Well, let's get into Warriors in Life Science. What got you started with that, and then what's the mission for those guys? Well, Warriors in Life Science, uh, and, and this is something I think virtually any industry could do. Uh, it just so happens that I've been in life science industry, as you mentioned, pharmaceutical, biotech, etc. Uh, it's actually talking to a friend of mine who's the president of a pharmaceutical company, and she actually thought we, we were talking about our industry, and our industry in itself has somewhat created these barriers that we talked about. You have to have, and I, and this is tongue in cheek a little bit, but you have to have ten years experience in pharmaceuticals to be in pharmaceuticals to actually get a job in pharmaceuticals. Uh, so what we did, and keep in mind, there was a restructuring of the pharmaceutical industry. So there's tons of experienced talent out there. So with that said, we were creating barriers in our job descriptions. We were creating barriers in the fact that there was non-familiarity with, with veterans and the value they could bring to organizations. However, these life science companies are federal contractors. They're required by the Department of Labor and the OFCCP, the Compliance Office of the federal government. They sell to the federal government, so they're supposed to put forth every effort to hire 6.7% of their workforce as veterans. Unfortunately, I know for a fact that a lot of very large pharmaceutical companies have less than one percent veterans in their in their in their uh, in their workforce. So, Warriors in Life Science is simply a coalition. A you know, companies pay money to come in and actually participate uh, as a coalition member, and it provides not only education and awareness of life science careers to veterans that are transitioning out. Uh, as well as those certification and education that we talked about earlier. It's going to be funding that. Uh, it's also providing formal mentor programs. For example, we have uh, one of the directors of oper strategic operations at Sandoz Pharmaceuticals. Uh, I just connected her to a veteran who is uh, getting ready to deploy out of El Paso, Texas to, uh, to Kuwait. And uh, as an Army officer, and they've already had their first meeting, and we put together a formal mentoring where he gets an understanding of her business, she gets an understanding of the military, 
we get more veterans into these roles and into leadership roles and it reduces the the, the obstacles that we're facing right now and and trying to get veteran-friendly hiring managers, veteran-knowledgeable hiring managers actually making hiring decisions and ultimately choosing to hire vets. Bridging the gap between the civilians yeah, exactly. and real, and uh, veterans. And I'm act- not passionate about this, I know. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm not passionate about this at all. So tell us about this um, this national program that you're launching you're going to be uh, teaching and stuff. What's that all about? Oh, cool. Actually, one of the things that uh, I actually worked when I was at – at my last employer, I worked with two big departments, talent acquisition and and uh, talent acquisition, talent management, and a group called diversity and inclusion, which really works on, on affirmative action. Well, I really didn't understand the value of this group to veteran hiring until I started doing some research. And, and really there are, legis- there's legislation, as we talked about, for federal contractors to really try to hire veterans into their, into their workforce. And then there's other organizations, uh, excuse me, there's other legislation about how we treat our veterans that are deployed, that they have to have a job reserve and National Guard when they come back. So in, in so I started attending some uh, some conferences, national conferences on affirmative action, and in doing so, uh, there are associations of these affirmative actions, there's consulting companies, and one of the largest uh, in the Midwest has asked me to do some some webinars starting this this month and in fact if anyone's interested they can just go to uh, they can just send me an email at phil at revere talent excuse revere veteran talent dot com and I'd be more than happy to provide them the dates and some of the information it's free free webinar and it really helps organizations with number one uh, understanding and communicating the value of hiring veterans secondly around assessing veteran talent from looking at a resume all the way through the interview process and then lastly, about creating a, a sustainable veteran strategy for your organization, advocacy development, retention of veteran talent, leveraging your veteran talent, et cetera. Awesome. Sounds amazing. That's pretty good. All right, Phil, let's take the last couple minutes to just kind of recap, talk about, uh, remind everybody what you do and how they can get in touch with you and all the cool things you got coming up in the future. Well, I, I really appreciate the opportunity, guys. I, and, I, and I'd be remiss if I didn't share with, uh, with the listeners that the, there's a lot of resources out there. I mean, yes, I'm one resource for you, but there's a lot of resources out there. And we mentioned, uh, we mentioned there's a lot of free resources out there, too. There's uh, Hire Our Heroes, which is the U.S. Chamber of Commerce uh, job posting. It's a very good job posting. You can go on and look at resumes. Uh, there's the Transition Assistance Program. I'd recommend you look go online, check out their websites at both Fort Bragg and Fort Jackson, as well as some of the other military installations around the around the the state. Uh, again, you got the SkillBridge Program, which they can inform you about the SkillBridge Program and whether it'd be available to your organization. Uh, South Carolina and North Carolina Department of Labor has all kinds of toolkits available to employers around hiring veterans. Uh, North Carolina, I mean, I attended a program here recently around uh, NC for me it's, and, and the USO. So both North Carolina for military uh, employment and the USO of North Carolina, both are phenomenal organizations. There's the Employee Support of the Guard and Reserve, which I'm also a, uh, a, a member of. And they have accolades and, and awards that really build credibility for your employment as you start winning awards in veteran hiring and they can help you with uh, a lot of around handling your veterans and then as you already mentioned Brian LinkedIn and maybe even bumping that up to a premium you know premium on LinkedIn so that you've got some capabilities but as far as our organization again Revere like Paul Revere 
VeteranTalent.com. And again, my name's Phil, and uh, you can reach me at uh, Phil at RevereVeteranTalent.com. All right. All right. Well, Phil. Thanks for coming on the Jones. Guys, it's a pleasure so meeting much. you. Hey, this is hey, this Chris awesome. mentioned Paul Revere on a previous podcast, a couple of podcasts ago. I did, yeah, yeah, that's right. Do you remember what it was about? We were compl- we, we were talking about how if we lived back in the day, we'd be miserable. Like yeah. back in the Paul Revere days mm-hmm. when there was no AC, <laughs> none of that. It, I was taking a you know, hike through the woods and really I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about Paul Revere on the podcast and uh I couldn't. I was sweaty and I was miserable and I was in the woods and I thought, man, I would never be able to make it. I'm too much of a softy to to make um, it in those days. Pop quiz and put you on the spot. What is Paul Revere known for saying, and what did he actually say? Uh, he's known for saying the British are coming, and what he actually said was, "Crap, the British are coming." <laughs> no, close. <laughs> All right, what he said? He said the nationalists. The nationalists are coming. Are coming. At that time. They were all British. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. Well, Interesting. That is the one thing I took from history class in college. I, I, I won't be able to mention <laughs> anything else, but that's... And, you know, I actually named my company Revere, and then I found out he was actually kicked out of the Army. So, <laughs> nice. So, anyway. Right. So, we learned. <laughs> well, thanks again, man, and uh, congratulations on all you're doing. It sounds awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you for all you're doing. That's great. Thanks so much for listening to the Jones Zone Podcast with Chris and Brian Jones. We'll catch you on the next episode.